Miss Mackintosh, my darling, chapter 49.5, last part. They were all his loves because he could not love or could love only by indirection, a long road, all his life because he could not live. Not even should he live twice, not even should his be two lives, a long road and a short, all his deaths because he could not die. He beamed this fusion of all, or so it seemed to him in endless nights, as his cheeks quivered, as his eyes glittered, as he felt the blood stream through his many branching veins. He was dead, surely, and yet he lived. He lived, and he was dead, dead even to his own memory of remote or recent events. Scarcely could remember yesterday. He'd returned. He had never departed. He had always been in the midst of the traffic flow. He had always been at the busiest artery. He had always been where the streets crossed, or he had been in a long avenue where there was no crossing. The winds turned to candle flames as they whistled past him. He trusted all persons suffering from some fatal defect, all who were blind as he was, yet saw, perhaps only by their own light as the firefly saw, as the star saw, all who were deaf, deaf as he was, yet heard the beating of the silent heart. He trusted the halo where there was no vision. He trusted the blind guide in that ear, which heard only its own roaring. He trusted the seashell when there was no other voice but this, like the whisper of his dead soul. Buoys in lonely harbors played Mozart form, or played the uncreated works of some great composer, one who was lost, one whom the world had not recognized. Though his music was that swelling the sails of the beached boats, slamming doors, blowing the flame leaves and gutters through all eternity. What cenotaph was there for him, what empty tomb erected in honor of a person who was buried elsewhere, perhaps in a distant country, perhaps in a country he had never visited, perhaps it was a country visited by no man, no woman? He trusted his false friend who was true, true as the city with its ding and dong and many thronging temple bells and sudden throngs of traffic crossing silver streams, sounds like buzzing bees, city with its head turbaned by many winding mother-of-pearl clouds and its many doors and many windows or squares of light and dark, and many shafts of light streaming between tall towers and shoulders of stone or snow, great jewels flashing through clouds, streets, roads, bridges, shadows of shadows, shadows of many umbrellas moving through the softening of the rain or the fine slant of the rain, city of many mouthed gargoyles, city of many cul-de-sacs and streets leading nowhere and crumbling abysses, beyond which there should dwell only the stars not colonized by him, perhaps the smallest pinpoint shining through the clouds, perhaps as small as buttons and cufflinks, city of many lace balconies, fire hydrants, lampposts, chimney pots, city where sometimes Mr. Spitzer walked in the midst of the thickening traffic and the thickness of the clouds, amazed by rustles of sound whispering through him like all dead souls returning. Sounds like the flight of passenger pigeons streaming in undulations like waves upon the wind when the moon was like a passenger pigeon's eye, shining through the dense medium of a cloud and the porphyry clouds were traced with only the memory of gold, thinning gold. The clouds were striated with lines of gold like some great seashell or dome under which he walked, perhaps like the shell of some great egg-cracking shell, a rainy, a rainy light splashing before his eyes as the wind whispered, blowing through him, blowing through many echo-chambers and distant clouds. The powder of fading gold fell upon his eyelids. Some clouds broke not. The wind whispered, honked, whistled, sighed. He heard the rustles of light beams, their music seldom human ears had heard in its entirety or even its approximate entirety. He heard the whistles of stars at either pole and a door opening so softly that he only seemed to hear. There were whispers lost in a long roar. A light went out so softly that he only seemed to see. He could not be sure when the light went out. Perhaps he heard it, did not see it. 
How often his mind abstracted by many problems, surely by many which were not his own, by many which he had assumed as if they were a mantle of his being when he had no being, nothing to hide, no being to conceal. He found that he had wandered off his orbit or his accustomed route, perhaps following that one instinct which had not died, when all else died. Following that unknown instinct, whatever it was, wherever it was, sometimes disappearing for years, then appearing again like the most feeble fl flame. That he was walking through the rain of the city, where the rain of the city drummed upon the dark golden porches and roofs, roofs over roofs, roofs supported by no foundations or pillars, the rain falling in cascades with mists rising from the pools, the rain falling on many branched golden chandeliers, moving through dim streets the piled up fog, crowns of hats and hat brims and surrey tops and umbrella tops, whirling with raindrops like planetary music giving off showers of sparks no astronomer had charted, as they were adventitious. Adventitious like all beauties in many twilight zones and webbed lights and reflections of lamps where there were no lamps, and skylights like chinks and ingenious clouds, and the bald dome mirroring the drifts of the clouds and streamers of light, perhaps with one patch of opalescence, one square of mother of pearl shining through clouds, walking through seas of darkness or light, light which trembled where he stepped pigeon-toed upon the rain-splashed walks. Under the rain splashed stars, the stars blotted out by the rain and the clouds, and the cloud bursts flashing like stars. A fat man, stepping softly as if he were not sure of terra firma, waddling in powder breasts and almost breathless. Almost breathless because of an unaccustomed effort of steering himself or being steered by wind, his soft hand trembling as he tapped with his cane, his cane tapping upon the stone which might be the cloud, his cane tapping almost in spite of him, as the wind blew through old porches and towers and many avenues, turning his head from side to side, whispering with gentle murmurs almost none could hear, walking with crowds, crowds which seemed sometimes oblivious to him, as he was perhaps sometimes oblivious to them, for never yet had his oblivion met with their oblivion. Much as if a loving pair, separated by years, perhaps by some great quarrel, should try to forget each other in the death of love, and should succeed only by one forgetting when the other remembered, one remembering when the other forgot, both never forgetting at the same time. For then, or so it seemed to Mr. Spitzer, with the music of the lost spheres trembling through him like organ music, both would be dead. Perhaps it would be by mutual agreement. Each would know when the other ceased. No messenger needed to ever cross from one to the other. Or it might be that one would not know. Perhaps time healed all wounds. Or perhaps there was no time. Perhaps there was no time in that realm of love which, having died, could never die. It seemed as if when love lived, it died. But having died, it lived and could not die. At least according to Mr. Spitzer's somewhat obtuse vision. For he had seen the other side of the tapestry, and this was the most he could say as to the immortality of love. His eyes blinked when he saw an unaccustomed light. His cheeks turned purple as he heard the thumping, thumping, thumping of his heart. Dead heart. Dead heart in the city. It seemed as if the remnant rain was ever where he was, the raindrops worrying where he walked like a living windmill. The raindrops scattered from his hat brim. The raindrops rolled off his back. The raindrops glistened on his rain shawl feathered with shadows, its glittering fringes like flames reflected in pools. He heard the shoutings of voices, sudden screams when the traffic whistles were amplified to fill the clouds with roarings or when the traffic signals changed, seeming to him like wings. Perhaps he walked with the stream of the traffic, perhaps against it in the falling of the rain, the rain falling sometimes upward, splashing with golden drops to reach the falling stars, the stars falling like rain with its mist. Perhaps the stars fell upward, perhaps they fell like golden apples toward the moon, perhaps the moon fell in shards, perhaps the heavens were reversed. He did not know. 
He argued with the traffic policeman for hours before he discovered that the traffic policeman was wooden. He fluttered where the church bells rang, ringing between the hours as if they were the hours, for every minute was the end of someone's hour or year. And who could compute these statistics? He was caught among the bell ropes, the billowing shrouds. He walked over great stone eyes of sleepers, walking through mist and drizzle and thinning fog. He perched upon the ledges of great stone mouths. He slept upon stone shoulders or upon the wings of an angel, perhaps an angel in undulatory flight. Perhaps an angel ferried him with pigeons through the clouds. Perhaps he rode upon some great pendulum swinging through windy heavens, pendulum where the pigeons rode, or so he dreamed. Dreamed that he rode upon the hour hand, rode upon the minute hand, although there was no hour, no minute, for time had passed long ago, and this was not time which was passing. Perhaps he crossed the face of some old town clock or sundial, mistaking him for twilight. The sundial knew no time, but the shadow and many a lover's tryst had been lost. No one could run a train by the hour of the sundial or route the ponies home. He rode upon the mass of ships, some which had already gone down, he perched upon a great stone helmet. Surely he cooed and whispered among the pigeons all day long. Their wings were the color of the sea streaked with a dying flame. Sometimes the sea seemed like one great pigeon caught in a moony light. Pigeon wings went out over the city like tides through clouds, sometimes with long roarings and sometimes with a muted sound scarcely to be remembered, and the many colors of their wings faded into the trembling clouds, losing their colors like seashells upon the shore, or like the city with its trembling lights. The shadows of their wings had left purple blotches upon his face, the fireflies shining through his skin, making a night of days so that he seemed to himself to be the blurring of all who were lost. All lost souls, all lost heavens and the fireflies, and did not know who he was as he always would lament. Sometimes it was so soft a rainy murmur that he could not hear, and yet why should he know if all were lost, if there was one who was not lost, and should he not rather mourn for him who was found with the fireflies shining through his eyes? His own flame must surely long ago have gone out. He had burned in the midst of water. He walked through the web sunlight of dead days, the sun shining pale as the moon beyond the cloud. He was always walking in public parks. He was a habitue of park benches. He was a lover of fountains. He talked only to strangers. People said that he was a public nuisance, and doubtless they would have liked to have seen his light put out, not glimmering like this lost moon by day, not shining in his path when it shone in theirs. They scarcely looked at him twice or at his watery gleam as of one star shining where there were no stars or his broken gleam like two stars upon the waves. Perhaps he did not look at them or saw them only as shadows moving through fog scarcely arrayed with lights. Perhaps he stared through a pigeon's clouded eye. He was this old fantail fanning his tail, worrying in the music of the lingering rain or the rain starting again, each raindrop burning with opalescence. He was his pigeon murmurs, heart murmurs, murmuring through him in clouded heavens, his fluted silver and gold and oily green and blue and rose streaking the waters and the clouds and the sky burning with many colors, like stein stained glass windows with a pigeon's wing, the pigeon's neck sunset trembling in pearl-colored clouds so that he asked when there was no one else to hear him. Then where was he if he should see a rainbow never seen before or should see, long years after this was possible, a pigeon, a pigeon in the rain, perhaps a passenger pigeon such as never seen now on earth, its neck is as tall as a church steeple as church bells gonged, gonged with the memory of all the dead, its white breast quivering like a cloud with many hearts. And was he dead, or did he live where these wings fluttered? Was it this world or another world, or this world as it once was, and was a firefly his architect? The firefly lighted its light before the world began, so should the firefly turn out its light after the world ended? 
He was walking through the rain, perhaps with all, all dead souls, all dead souls returning, per perhaps where time was blotted out with all its tenses, future and present and past and conditional future, conditional past. All things which were and had been were to be. All passenger pigeons passing, blotting out the sun, blotting out the moon as if they were a sea of clouds under them, over them. He heard their wings over him, and how should he define himself or know his limits? His tears fell, splashing upon the sidewalks. His tears drummed upon black umbrellas rising like swords, like other birds of passage. Many hurricanes were known to him, though that was not known to watchers of weather, those who kept record of cloud confirmations. Bursting to floodgates, rising floods, floods pounding over sea walls, tonnage of waves like tons of rose petals dropping on lonely shores, changes of the wind, antique raindrops. Sometimes his head ached. Black spots dancing before his eyes as the spots had flown off the cards. All spades, no doubt, and no hearts. All clubs and no diamonds. Or spades, hearts, clubs, diamonds. All spots but one spot of which he could not see the outlines as the shadow increased, whirling in his path. He was crazy as a pigeon playing poker. And how should he, an old musician who had never known card spots, and not even candle flames and nothing which was voiceless, who had known only the spots of his music flying everywhere and so seldom settling on him, perching for a moment like birds on windy branches, enjoy or be perplexed by these card memories, as if it were an old card player, or think that the sun was a spot on a card, or that the moon was a spot on a card he played by a firefly's light, perhaps at one spot a light beaming on his face? His brother could never accept an ineluctable reality such as Mr. Spitzer feared. His brother thought that there was something he could do to cha change things, to make for greater hope or greater hopelessness. It was that hopelessness which Mr. Spitzer felt, that by which he lived, though so feeble that he knew he was expiring. Who, he might often ask with whispers seldom heard, shuffled these cards in reality, placed his days and nights in sequences other than they were so that his moon shone only when others saw the sun and the moon shone through all his days. Who had made of him this juggler trying to keep up two worlds? Or was there no other way? No way but this. And did he only dream some other way? Imagine that the approximate life he had not lived was real while this was unreal? That in some other life he might have met and known and recognized his love so like himself that his love might have recognized him? There being scarcely a moment of discrepancy between them. They were born together. He envied the moth who settled upon the flower, the settled moth, the sailing moth, or great water flower. He envied all things conjoining, or even the illusion of conjoining, as when he saw his image sailing over water. Sometimes he felt as if his whole life had been led by a false hypothesis, so when should he be true, true as his dead brother was? Or was it only Mr. Spitzer who was true, and had he taken his brother's place and did his brother live? The answer to his question would have signified little or nothing, not altering his experience in the least degree, or doing so in ways which were unrecognizable, for he did not know which brother he was, and this was the crux of his mystery. Perhaps a mystery would never be revealed. Was it Mr. Spitzer who was dead, perhaps living only by that dream which moved and stirred through a dead man's thoughts? He did not know. Perhaps he had never known. If he could say, he would know that he was speaking the opposite of truth the moment he heard the words or even the ripple of water or the wind sighing through the sails of a boat. Perhaps mute gestures should have told him more than music told.'